Out of the West Coast, they, they wake up at like six. You know what? You know what's funny? The, the people that it happened the most was is was bankers. We used to work with like a, a, a year, maybe a year and a half ago. Everybody was working with bankers. You remember like everybody was thinking about going public. Everybody was doing this. Everybody was doing that. So we used to work with bankers. And actually, it's funny. Bankers were the... The, the people that were most keen on waking up early for some reason. We would go yes. on with bankers from the West Coast, 6 a.m. I swear to God, listen, 5.30, 5 a.m. Yeah. on the West Coast. So sh mm. shout out to any of our bankers if they're seeing this now. We really appreciate it. Don't want to name anybody. Uh, but they used to wake up like 5 a.m. on the West Coast. Bankers are hustlers, man. They're in the hustle. They know how to work hard. They're in it to win it. And I, I can appreciate that. If not anything else, I appreciate people waking up in, in, at 5 a.m., to talk to us now we can we we, I, we, I, we haven't even introduced ourselves to start talking about this but it's a topic that's it's it's good to talk about it's good to talk about how efficient bankers are when they see a deal they'll work they'll, they'll wake up first thing in the morning and they'll chase it and it's a it's it's a good thing yes hi now, are we Pleasure talking hi how are you doing thank you very much ah, for joining you. now ah, good, usually i'm the one who's just jumping in rumbling non-stop about time dying you know starting to pick about you know, throwing all kinds of facts from the past. So it's like to have that dynamic. Thank you very much. I we appreciate found, it. We, we, we found yeah. each other. Listen, I'm so random. Each one of these podcasts, people try to talk to me about insurance and it goes like at least 15, 20 minutes. So I want to apologize to anybody coming on to, you know, to this podcast, wanting to talk solely about insurance. We'll get there. I promise you life is dynamic, right? This guy, you know, from his house, at 9 a.m. is going on with me. We have 7.15 p.m. here in Israel, which is, by the way, a much better hour for me because I'm a night owl, right? I would much rather, I do most of my business at night. People always ask me, they tell me, hey, FD, you know, how are you? You know, it's so amazing that you're, that you're a night owl and you found a business that you work with America, which is late hours, right? Because people always used to make fun of me that I, I live in New York hours. I wake up at, at noon or 11 a.m. in Israel time, and then I work until like 3, 4 a.m. So people tell me, oh, my God, you're so lucky to find a company that works with America. I told them, no, it's not luck. I founded a company that works with America because I want to work late hours, right? I didn't go to apply to a job that does this. I found this company because this is the only thing that I could do is work with companies overseas because I can't, for the love of God, wake up at 7 or 8 a.m. I can't. This is diagnosed, right? When I was kind of growing up, people thought I was lazy or whatever no it's a medical condition it's diagnosed uh -huh. i don't remember the name my 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 biological clock is, is is shifted right my biological clock is shifted it shifts like four or five hours ahead of time in israel so for me 11 a.m is like for somebody else eight or seven right so that's why i tell people i wake up early on my clock and and that's it so thank you for being here on you know on your 9 a.m I don't know if you're a night owl like me, but insurance. We're going to talk about, about insurance. Do you promise? Um, okay. I'm done. Right. That's it. <clears throat> Nothing. I have a lot more to say, but I know that the folks tuning in really want to hear what we have to say and what kind of novelty we're bringing to insurance. So I'm, I'm going I'm to. I love it. That.
So first of all, how do how should I pronounce your name? Because when I read it, it's like, I'm not really sure. Exactly. It's a great. It's a, so I always the way I always uh, introduce myself to people is hi. I'm Ifty. It's like the number fifty without the first F. Like think about the number fifty. <laughs> fifty. Not the first F. And it literally says so on my on my LinkedIn uh, uh, kind of uh, page or whatever it's mm-hmm. called. Uh, profile so i never knew that there's a there's a small like there's a recording kind of symbol next to your name i never knew what it was then one day i clicked they're like you can because linkedin is a lot about foreigners working together right so you never know how to pronounce people's name so i pressed that button oh there's some uh, amazing idea so it literally says on my linkedin profile like the number 50 without the first f ifty ifty kersner that is me pleasure to meet you Gilad. No, I'm just kidding. We're from the same country. Uh, I know how to pronounce your name. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but but you, don't say, mean, yeah. You, you don't You don't even have a funny way of expressing how to say your name. Your I'm name is just Gilad. How do, how do you present yourself? So I present myself as Gilad or Gilead to make uh, the life of other people a little bit better. And then it's like, Gilead? It's like, yeah. You know, remember from Sunday schools, it's like the Gilead Mountains. You know? Right. Then some, then they realize it. So, Usually, it truly depends, and I joke with uh, Sabine. Sabine has her own unique way to pronounce my name. Every time, it's for years now. It's like she reads it in the French way. Uh, Gilles, uh, no, not G. Gilad or some I love you. What does that have to do with Gilad? Listen, I appreciate your story. I think the fifty, the fifty without the first F is a, is a much better kind of straight to the point. Everybody understands it. If the like fifty without the first step, but listen, as foreigners working in a foreign country, it's it's some of the you know it's it's a price you have to pay, especially at conferences, at the after hours. You know, there's always drinks, mm-hmm. right? Five, yeah. six, seven p.m. There's always drinks when kind of music is going a little bit louder and people had a couple of drinks. That's the worst. I mean, think about it. At the conference, at least you have your your badge, right? So it could say Ifty Kersner and people can hear you well. So I say Ifty, like the number 50, that first step, and all fun games. But then at the after hour drinks, it's a nightmare. I can spend a good five minutes, like what? Ifty, fish, fifty, Ifty, 50, yeah, 50 with other. And so, you know, I, I think foreigners spend a good chunk of their lifetime in the United States trying to explain to people what their name is. But Power to the people. Yep. Shout out to all the foreigners trying to make it in the States. It's not easy, but you guys are doing it good. You're crushing it. And the first thing is your name and how you carry yourself up. Okay, great. So, beside your, your first name, Ifti, and let's uh, skip over the, your last name. Because... I, I, love how, I love how all we've been able to accomplish in like five or six minutes Holy is my shit. first name. It's like we're into the thing and we're like, oh yeah, we've, we've been able to accomplish what your name is. Well, it's enough. It's good enough. Uh, listen, ifty, 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 ifty. Listen, I gave you her a mic. You took it and it's like, oh my God, this guy. Wow. Just continue with the energy. I love it. But I want I to chat, you know, to touch Please. a little bit about your history. You know, Please. people don't know it, but while they look at you and say, oh my God, what what's going on here? Oh listening to us at this point right it's more about you used to be a kid star right you used to be a musician or still in your deeper soul you are a musician a hundred percent you never you never let go of that stuff do you still keep it up or like so 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 listen yeah i i I started with music I, i i was extremely bored in high school like out of my mind bored 
And and I felt like, you know, there's nothing I'll, I'll be able to do with myself in life because just high school, high school tends to, for people like me that don't really fit in in high school, and it's hard for them to kind of learn in the, in the usual normal, I'm doing air quotes if anybody's not seeing the, the podcast, normal way of learning if there's anything as normal way. So I was super bored and I came home one night and, and hip hop was getting very, very big in Israel back in the day. I don't know, early 2000s. And I look at my mom one day and I tell her, mom, listen, you know, I want to have a number one song on the radio. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah, okay. And like, what, 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 how? Like, you don't know how to play any instrument. Like, she's a very supportive mom. Don't get me wrong, right? But she was just caught by surprise. She's like, you don't play any instruments. You can't sing. How the hell are you going to have a number one song on the radio? I told her, mom, listen, two things. One, I'm in high school and I'm bored out of my mind. So all I have is time to figure this out. B, I think I understood something about how people think and how they view life. And if I'm going to be able to kind of put that, capsulate that, my thoughts and my understanding about how people view life and emotions, I think a lot of people are going to relate to that. And she said, you know what, good luck. Here's some money to start, you know, go try and do something. So I used to catch the bus to Tel Aviv and go to studios and stuff. And then I, I started doing music out of absolute boredom. Never wanted to do that in my life. And, and for some reason, it exploded. So I've had songs that I've written go to be number one on the radio in Israel. But because I never wanted to be a singer, I never performed with them. So it's a very unique circumstance where you have somebody that accidentally became, you know, number one on the radio, but he doesn't really want to be a singer because he didn't really think it through. So I couldn't make any money off of it because I didn't want to perform. And back in the day, performing in Israel was the only way to make money off music. So I had a year when I had, I had consecutive hits like one after the other, just exploding on the radio. And these were the days before, this was 2006, 2007. So it's before YouTube, before Facebook, before everything. There was no online monetization. All you could do is be on the radio and get royalties and perform and make, you know, like weddings, bar mitzvahs, that kind of stuff, or, or open shows. I didn't do any of that. So for several years, I was extremely famous, but I couldn't make any money. Which you all think hear, about it is... All I hear now are excuses, man. That's the only thing I hear. Know, it is. Listen, it's true. <laughs> and think about this. Wait, I want to add one more thing. I come okay. from, a, from a family uh -huh. that... Of, of, my dad is an entrepreneur, right? So I've seen business my whole life. So add to everything I just told you, your dad looking at you every day like, why are you doing music? Why are you still making music? There's no money in it. Go open a business, you know? Look at me. Look, I'm up. I'm not trying to dog my dad. Best person in the world. But he, he was very oriented towards entrepreneurship and business. So not only was I not making enough money, but I, I, I want to explain something. Because you need to understand the concept. Being very famous and poor, right? I'm exaggerating, not poor, but not having the money equivalent to how famous you are sucks, Okay. Uh, you can't because you can't get a regular job because people know you right from TV okay. from the radio. They're like, oh, you're famous. You're ninety percent of all the Instagrams, all the Instagram Ex exactly. celebs. That's I don't listen. I don't know because today people are making better money. Seventeen-year-old girls that have followers are making better money today internationally than I had when I had you know three number one songs on the radio because there was just no way to monetize it back in the day and it was really depressing. So add to that, my dad was like, you got to do business, son. So, so the refugee of that was one day I went to this the, to be a guest on a children's channel. There was there, there's the biggest children's channel in Israel called the Hotel Adin. It's literally called the children's channel in Israel because there was only one and was very big. I came in as a guest one day to sing one of my songs. 
because it was a big hit and I didn't want to do shows. So I said, okay, TV is okay for me. Less people, you know, less, less conscious about you singing, that kind of stuff. So I went as a singer. And then when the show was done, they said, hey, do you want to maybe stay here and audition to be a host on the show? And I never thought about that as well. So it's funny how kind of things, you know, one leads to another. And I said, hey, you know what? Okay. And to be honest, okay, my wife doesn't watch these things. So I can, I can be honest. She doesn't, she doesn't watch any of my stuff, which is a different conversation. She just doesn't care. So they asked me if I wanted to be a host. And, and there was this other kind of actress model uh, uh, girl that was also kind of making auditions to be a host. So I look at her and I say, is she auditioning to be a host? And they say, yes. I said, okay, so I, I want to be, I want to do an audition. And funny enough, I got the job. I hosted the show. Not only that, me and her became a couple. And that's kind of a whole different story. That's why I'm happy. My wife isn't here, but enough about that, right? So I, I used to host... You know, it's going to be on the record and on YouTube. So it's fine and LinkedIn. Listen, so. I'm not sure my wife even still knows what we do. Literally, she doesn't care, but in a good way, in a good way. I, I separate, you know, my, my, my family and my home life from work because it's hard enough to separate as it is, right? Being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you bring your, ho- your work home every day. Yep. You come home late hours. You don't have weekends. You talk about it all the time. You're always on the phone and she hears the conversation. So the, 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 the limited amount of time that I have with her one-on-one, I don't want it to be about business. I don't want it to be about money. People, I think that they already got who's ifty and what's the energy that you bring into the table. So let's do a quick jump into what what's Kistera? What's that beautiful sign above your head? Thank you. Right? Thank what's you your so company and what do you guys do? Perfect. Thank you for the question and for kind of directing us in the right direction. Um, yeah, Kistera is the world's first uh, insurance marketing operating system. What that actually means is we're an end-to-end cloud-based data-driven solution for all of insurance carriers' digital marketing and distribution needs, meaning that too many technology company historically, uh, technology companies historically have been focusing on one side of the business, and that side is underwriting or product or actuary. Every company can call it something else policy management, and claims. So Mm -hmm. if you go to an insurance conference, right, like we do a lot, 99% of the tech companies are going to be about claims. A lot are talking about policy management, underwriting, to all the variations of that. There's not enough companies talking about digital uh, acquisition and distribution or about distribution in general. Insurance companies in the United States are spending $140 billion a year on acquisition of customers and engagement and, and distribution, right? Through agents, direct consumers, through TV ads, it doesn't matter. It's engaging the customers. That's a lot of money. And what we do is we provide one platform to really handle everything for them. And I'll explain a little bit more if I may. So what's unique about insurance and why this is even necessary for insurance, unlike other products, can so you say, oh, if we heard this before, there are dozens of technology companies in yeah. MarTech and AdTech in, in that. We've heard this story before. And I say yes, but with a difference because insurance is a different product. Insurance is different because insurance is a product based on differentiation. Me and you, Gilad, will walk up or call in or log in to an insur- auto insurance carrier with the same vehicle, same type, same model, same year, everything the same, and we'll still pay a different price for our monthly premium, right? Because our personal circumstances are what that are, are gonna kinda uh, force Engine or are what gonna lead in, yeah. yeah, impact lead in to our 
to our uh, monthly premium. That's the uh, that's the actual risk. That's insurance, right? It's frequency versus severity. If insurance people are watching this, they know what I'm talking about. But everybody understand that. That's the beauty. Our question at Kistera is, if insurance is a product so much based on differentiation, why is insurance marketing standardized? Why is it that everybody understands and we've established that me and you, Gilad, are completely different risk profiles. We're going to pay different monthly premiums because we have different lifetime value for the carrier. Me and you are worth something completely different. But on the marketing side, the marketing team is completely blind. They have no idea who's going to come through the door, how much they're going to cost, how much they're going to be worth. They acquire me and you, Gilad, with the exact same price, which mm -hmm. is a standardized cost of acquisition because we're going to see the same ads at the same media on the same channels at the same time, which is going to average our cost of acquisition. So for Castero, we said if we can find a way to use all the data that insurance companies already have about their customers, think about how many data gets stored. And usually it's even different departments. Underwriting department knows a lot about Gilad. Policy management, if you're already a customer, knows a lot about Gilad. Claims knows a lot about Gilad. Most companies, these departments don't even talk amongst themselves and share data. And, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's difficult and leads to a lot of you know, unfortunate decisions. Even if they do start talking between amongst themselves, nobody ever crosses a bridge and talks to marketing. So we said, if we can find how to create a centralized data hub and allow insurance carriers to utilize all the data that they already know about their customers and predictive analytics and big data tools, right? Machine learning, everything that, that this side of the company already has and correlate that to acquiring new customers or, or retention of customers, right? To engaging customers more smartly, more accurately, more data-driven, more, you know, predictive analytics-based, we can actually solve a lot of the profitability problems or issues that companies are now seeing. Because the last year and a half, you don't need me to tell this, everybody that works in insurance that is seeing this podcast knows, last year and a half have been a nightmare on profitability. Before that, carriers were making a lot of money before the last hard market. And, you know, they were a little more uh, kind of, they put less focus on that, although they should have. But now in the hard market, when profitability is becoming a much more serious issue again, loss ratios are going up, combined ratios are, you know, are, 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 are also high, you know, they're losing money. So they said, what lever can we use to be more profitable? I just want to say one thing. So they had one lever. One lever to be more profitable, which is increase rates for the customers. And we've seen this internationally in Israel, in America, insurance companies are increasing rates. The problem with increasing rates, it's a bureaucracy, it's you know a compliance thing, it's legislative, you need to do it in every state, you need to file a, a, a petition to change your rates, and it takes time, and consumers don't like it, and they might leave your brand. So we wanna tell companies, there's another lever that you can use, which isn't only reducing marketing spend, which is everything that carriers have done until now. It's being more accurate with your marketing spend. Correlate your marketing spend to where you're actually profitable, to profitability, to lifetime value. Spend less when you're not where you're not profitable. Spend more where you are. And this is what we've been doing for the last couple of years, and it's working amazing. You know, we have a lot of examples on how we've assisted carriers to become or remain profitable. And it's become more and more relevant. You know, in the last year and a half, I said, we've seen a huge uptick in interest of companies in our technology. And, you know, we think this is a future of insurance, regardless of if it's Kistera or not. A technology like ours mm -hmm. that utilizes the data that exists in this huge industry for marketing, for distribution, for acquisition is the future of insurance, right? 
Uh, it can take three years. It can take five years. It can, it can take 10 years. It is the future. And hopefully it's going to be us who are going to lead the, uh, this future. That's, That's a, I love it. I love it because you touch, ooh, you touch on so many different uh, points that part of them I preach about. And that's mainly that if you want to, to bring good risk, you need to know how to target, how to market to that specific risk, to that, how you bring that uh, target audience. And that's 100%. an example. Yes, both of us have the same car, but we are completely different trees. You hardly drive exactly. and I travel like crazy and, you know, doing wheelies and all that stuff. I, and listen, so I, I love the point you're bringing out because that's telematics. I've been speaking about telematics for a long time. Now, listen, it's taken years for telem. The great promise of telematics is it's going to impact the actuarial ratings, right? People are going to mm -hmm. pay less or more depending on, like you said, how they drive. Now, I've been hearing this for five years. I've been talking to all the big companies. It's going to take a lot more years for this to really be implemented into risk. Why? Because it takes a lot of time to get data back. If I have your telematics and let's say I know how much you drive, if I want to correlate this to a claim, sometimes you're going to have to wait six months, 12 months, a year and a half, five years until I get one claim, right? That means that to get enough claims data for statistical relevance, it can take me five to 10 years. And that's why it's taking so long for telematics to really impact insurance. But think about this. On the marketing side, I can correlate telematics to conversion or anything from the marketing side real quick. Because I, if I know how much you drive, your conversion or lack of conversion or expected lifetime value or quote to bind or everything that people are measuring, I can measure that within a day or a week, right? So I get that, that, I get that, 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 that signal back real quickly. So I can compile a big enough data asset for statistical relevance within a week or a month. So if a company starts working with Castera and they say, hey, listen, we have this telematics feed. We still don't know how to use it. We have it for two years now on the actuarial side. We don't know how to use it. I tell them, feed it to us. If it's August 1st now, on August 29th or 30th or whatever, how many days you have in August, I'm going to be able to tell you a direct correlation between how much you drive to your pretensity or whatever that word is. Uh, to to bind right or to or to buy insurance, but I'll be able to to really draw that line and not only correlation but causation. If you want to ask how we get to causation for correlation, that's a completely different. We, we're going to need an hour on that. We do a lot of random tests and we isolate the variables and we do all that. But that's a very deep level technical conversation, which is not for now. But the bottom line is, it's proved. We can prove it, and and that's why all the new data. Telematics, you know, all these companies have, that have satellites filming, you know, how people park or drive or houses, whatever. We can use all of that. Sorry. We can use all of that in the marketing side, mm -hmm. which much more significance than it's going to impact uh, actuary. And yeah, so I just, I'm excited about this because no, I think. No, this I can is, hear. I, I think that it, everyone can hear the excitement about, especially if you can prove causality and not just a correlation. That's, that's Thank you. Amazing. Exactly. Exactly. It's 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 it, that's what I'm saying. It's the future of insurance. Now, if I can prove it or we can prove it, Castera just means that it's true. Now more people can prove it. That's why I said it doesn't have to be Castera. That's not what I'm trying to preach, right? We're the best company in the world. No, I'm saying this technology and this mindset is the best in the world because it's the future. Now, if you can find other companies, it's you know, be my guest. The more people who are gonna do this. I just think it's going to benefit the industry more. And I'm a huge fan of, of benefiting the industry in general.
Now, tell me a little bit about the numbers. That's if you remember and if you... So today, where do we stand in terms of a customer acquisition cost? Do you know how much, how much a, it costs on average for a carrier to get a home insurance policy owner, a car, know, stuff like that? And how... I, 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 know, I, I know exactly because that's how we do, but I cannot speak about that. Listen, what insurance carriers share on with average. us... Mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll tell you something. Even the average doesn't matter. I'll, okay, two. I'll, I have two answers for you. Why, one, why I can't. Second, why average doesn't matter. Insurance companies trust us with their holy grail, which is their data. Our promise to insurance carriers is we will never talk about them. Notice, I will not name names of our customers, mm-hmm. right? We will not talk about their data. We will not give industry best practices because if I want an insurance company to trust our company with their data, Forget about contracts. Contracts are important, but it's not about that. It's about trust, right? Yes, it says so in the contract that we will not share, but we also need to prove that with our behavior. That's A. B, why does an average does not why does the average does not matter? Because an average is exactly what's hurting the insurance companies. The average is what's hurting them. If I sat here and I give an answer, oh, the average is a thousand dollars, then every carrier sitting here will think, oh, for me it's eight hundred dollars. I'm doing something amazing. If the average is 800, uh, is 1,000, I'm at 800, I'm doing amazing. No, that's not the answer. Maybe for you, the average should have been 700 specifically for you because you're non-standard or you're something less. Maybe your 800 is too much. So you heard me, you thought you were making money, you're actually losing. On the flip side, somebody's buying for 1,200, he hears me, he thinks it should be 1,000, I'm losing money. I'm going to call my, you know, whoever's doing it, they're doing a bad job. No, because it's specific for every carrier. Every carrier with their specific underwriting, with their specific expected lifetime value, with their specific demographics should have a different cost of acquisition. There's no such thing as standardized cost of acquisition, just as there's no such thing as standardized LTV. Uh, you know what? I want to I re- re- repay the, the question to you. How much on average should it cost to um, insure a 2021 Ford, Ford whatever? I don't know. You know, any type of Ford in general. What should be the average? I don't know. No, but but there is an average, right? The average is maybe one hundred forty dollars a month. Actually, but, you can, but the average doesn't matter. Can... No, the average doesn't matter because when I send you Gilad to every carrier, you're never going to see that one hundred forty. You're going to see either above or beyond. You're going to think either they're you know lying to me or it's too cheap. It's not true. In insurance, there's no such thing as average. Not for the customer and not for the carrier. It's a unique, single, singular relationship between every carrier and every consumer. And there's a right price. For this connection, Mm -hmm. there's a right cost of acquisition and there's a right LTV. And that is part of what we're trying to say. Do not care about the and Every every carrier, when we start working with them, when they start using our technology, give us industry best practices. We say, no, let us analyze your data. We'll give you your answer, not somebody else's answer. If you go follow a different carrier's footsteps, you're going to lose money because your underwriting is not the same. Your cost of acquisition is not the same. Your call center is not the same. Your website flow is not the same. Your retention rate is not the same. Your, your, you know, it's not the same. Not the so, same. So don't, yes. yeah. So don't act like it's the same because it's not going to be the same. Okay, we can continue with that. The food in the cafeteria is not the same. But yeah, we can we can solve that. You're joking, we, but it's but it's but, true because it's not the same. Don't don't act like you're the same company. It's not going to work for you. Interesting part. So. That's great for incumbents. Uh, so let's add two complications here. One, yes, 
how are the startups dealing with it? Because a few of them said, huh, we know how a certain name of a famous uh, incumbent, they've been doing it, they're super successful in car insurance, we'll just copy paste what they are doing and we'll do the same, which of course it's not the same. How, how are you working with startups or are you working with startups? Can they afford you? So yeah, so, so yeah, we work with a full gamut. We work with, uh, with, uh, you know, with the incumbents. We, we work with companies that, that have been around 100 and 120 years. And we work with companies that have been around for three years. So we really work with a full gamut. Uh, but the answer is, the honest answer, nobody's figured it out. I mean, the new, the new wave of insurtechs, I don't need to talk about this. We all see what's going on. Um, it, it, it's a rough patch right now. But the reason is... They don't have, they have some amazingly creative and good ideas about the future of insurance. What they lacked was the data, right? If you look at these incumbents who are 50, 100, 120, 30, 10 years, they have a lot of data. And insurance, maybe if this is the most, if this is the most important quote of this conversation, right? I'm not, this is not new, but it's important people remember. Insurance is about data. Insurance is about data. Insurance equals data. Not creativity, not ingenuity, not, it's about data, right? Has always been, and I want to give you guys a surprise, will always be. I don't care how beautiful your campaign is and how sh- chic or sleek your process is or, or your flow is or your app is, it's about data. How are people reacting to your product and how can you correlate that data that you collect on the marketing side to the product side, to performance, to claims, to buying, to to insurance fraud, to churn, right? Can policy cancellations, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So my answer is, everybody needs it. Larger carriers need it, need it more because they're spending more money. But the newer carriers or MGAs or whatever also need it because they're spending sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars a year, still not as successful as it could be if they would really create this correlation between, you know, both sides of the business. What you're preaching here is you need a good product. That's it. Mm-hmm. You need a product that makes sense. We can help you to target and to sell better so you can improve your uh, expense ratios and stuff like that. Wait, wait, wait listen, is- listen. If, you're, if your product doesn't work, there's nothing uh-huh. we can do for you at Kistera. If you're selling a broken product, how good we can make it less broken by, you know, trying to 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 optimize your marketing mm-hmm. and distribution. But if you're selling a bad product, there's no marketing in the world that's going to be able to help you. Right. You're, if you're losing money, if your unit economics on your pricing and your actuarial rating is not right, you're uh-huh. going to lose money long run, regardless of whatever you do. So so that's one thing. But you asked about so, agents as well. So I wanna, Yeah, that's the main yes, thing, please. because for many insurance companies, that's a distribution channel. And they're basically right, right, rolling right. the marketing cost on the distribution, on the agents. How do you per- work perfect, with them? Per- perfect question. I want to relate to that in, in, in two sides. One is we are seeing, I call this the era of direct-to-consumer, right? Direct-to-consumer mm-hmm. is not the future. It's here. It's the present and it's growing. So not to say anything, insurance agents are always going to stay there, but direct-to-consumer is growing. 
And in direct-to-consumer, it's more important than ever to do everything that we talked about before because you can actually lose money. When you work with an agent, you just give them a percentage. Like you said, you roll over marketing to them and you're safe guarded as a carrier. So it was never as big as a concern. As part of what COVID did, as part of what the digitization of the world is doing, more people are going digital, more people want to go direct. So that's growing. That's what why carriers need everything that we've been talking about up until now. But now let's talk about the second part, which is actual agents. So... Agents are also not being left behind. We're talking about the digitization of agents, right? How do you create the digitally infused agent? Now, I've been, you know, I, 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 I had a fireside chat with Allison Griffin, who is the CMO of, 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 uh, of uh, State Farm. And they are, you know, one of the largest carriers in the United States. Mm-hmm. And they're very heavily based on, on, on agents. And a lot of what we talked about that, if somebody wants to look it up, we'll put it on YouTube, a very interesting conversation as well. Um, but what, what we say about that is agents are here to stay. How do you create a digitally infused agent? And more than that, how do you create an agent that is not 15,000 separate P&Ls, but how do you create an agent that is centralized by the carrier, by the enterprise? I'll tell you what I mean by that. Today, for most carriers that use agents, it's exactly what I said. It's, it's separate P&Ls. Everybody's marketing for their own, and they're trying to understand what's working and what's not. So if you're an agent, it doesn't matter if you're an independent or, 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 or if you work with one company, if you're captive. So if you're an agent, then you're spending your maybe a couple hundreds of dollars, you know, on marketing, maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe a month, you know, for each their own. And maybe you're buying three leads a day. So when you buy, and this is an example, right? If you buy three leads a day, you're never going to have enough statistical relevance to understand why this is not working, right? I buy three leads a day. I close maybe a couple weeks. I don't know. Am I, am I buying young people, old people? Am I buying males, females? Am I buying people with good credit score, with bad credit score? I don't have enough statistical relevance. What we allow carriers to do is centralize all that distribution into one platform that looks on the marketing side. And when you centralize that into a zip code, geography, state, you get a lot more statistical relevance. So you can say, oh my God, now that I have the upper, the, the, the bird's eye view of all my agents in this zip code, I can finally understand that people under 26 are not really converting for these agents. I would send them something else, right? So I would inform my agents, hey people, Either stop spending your marketing budgets here, or if it's centralized by the enterprise, let's send leads somewhere else, right? And think about how many different segmentations you can do this. You can find, oh my God, people with newer cars, for some reason, don't close with these agents. I'm not, we're not a psychological company, right? We're not, we don't say why. We just provide your data to help you understand why this is happening, right? We help a company gain insights. So we would say, listen, we reviewed your agents one, if you get, you know, a call from a 50-year-old female who has a new car, you would rather route that call to this call center or this agent because they have higher closing rates with that. Or if they're independent, you can send them out an email that says, hey, guys, listen, you need to stop marketing to Teslas because Teslas are not, you, you, you know, nobody in this region has been able to close a Tesla for some reason. Now, I'm giving specific examples that might sound funny, but if you look at it at a, at a kind of critical mass statistical, the enterprise gains so much insight from this that they never had before. It used to be siloed, every agent to themselves, nobody knows, maybe a regional manager knows some more, but the enterprise level doesn't know what happens. So when we work with enterprises for the first time, it's like opening a whole new map of information from their eyes and allowing enterprise to set enterprise level decisions. 
You can, for the first time, have a CMO sit in front of data and say, oh my God, I've never seen this. I never knew that. I never had this data. Let's either make this decision as a company level or send this out to our agents to assist them or recommend something to them that will make them more profitable. So that's kind of how we view this at Kistera. Fantastic. Okay, listen, we are reaching the end. We can actually continue right. talking, but then it will be, you know, yeah, start talking about so many different things. Right. What's what's the source of the name? Kistera, where is that Kistera, from? Kistera, where did it come from? Okay, yeah. so so Kiss is obviously Kiss in English, you know, the, mm-hmm. the pucker up. And Terra is, uh, the in Latin, is land, right? Earth, yeah. land, the soil. So, um when we founded Kistera, I always told my partner, Segev Shilton, by the way, who I haven't mentioned up until now, he's our CEO and my partner, my co-founder. Um, when we founded the company, I told Segev, listen, we both came from different companies. We weren't friends. We didn't know each other before business. We started Kistera together and told us, listen, Segev, this is the last company I ever want to found. I, I mean, I want us to hit this as a home run. I want to win this big time. You know, I was just 29 at the time, but I said, let's make sure that people know that this is the final destination. We've arrived home. This is where we need to be. We're now moving from here. And when I grew up in all the adventure movies I used to see, I especially remember, you know, Robin Hood, when people with Kevin Costner. So when people would come back from voyage, when people used to come back from long voyages, after maybe coming back from war or winning a long voyage, they would come back from the ship, go down. And the moment they would hit the ground, they would get on their knees and kiss the earth. Like, thank you, God, for, for delivering me, for bringing me back home. So I told Segev, we're home, and this is where we are, and we've arrived home. So we finished our long voyages, we've arrived home, so the first thing we can do is get on our knees and kiss the land. And if you can see in our logo, this little hut in the K, that's our home. So we've arrived to our little hut, which is Kistera, that's now grown to be you know, a much bigger house or a hut. And I always want people to remember, whoever that comes work with us, who partners with us, this is who we are. We're here to stay. We've arrived at our final Because sometimes startups have a tendency to come and go. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. back in the day, especially if you're around marketing, people think, okay, you're here today. You're gone tomorrow. I don't know if we can trust you guys. But for us, it was no, no, no. This is who we are. This is where we are. We're not going anywhere. And lo and behold, seven years you know, into the future, we're a, very, we're a much larger company, very well-funded. You know, we were bootstrapped for the first six years. Last year, we raised around $80 million, one of Israel's largest round A's from two institutionals, Israel's largest insurance company and Israel's series largest bank. A? So we've really been able to... Yeah, Series A. Okay. Like our first, our first ever... Our first ever founding round. We didn't have a seed. We didn't have angel investors. At Segev and myself, we put in the money. We were bootstrapped all the way, uh, and then we did our first round with you know with two, these two large, amazing institutionals who showed a lot of faith in, in in us and the technology. And I think we went a long way from our promise to ourselves in the beginning of we're going to really make this happen with this company. And I think more than anything. Uh, our, our clients, our customers, our partners, they are the ones that can attest to, to, to I think, what we're trying to achieve here. We have but to also bring from, value. Yeah, but also from the product, yes. you didn't start in insurance. You started, if I remember correctly, you started in banking, legion. We started, we, started with, we started with the same concept that we had right now on how mm-hmm. to optimize marketing for companies. Uh, we did it on the banking side, then we moved to insurance. But yes, Legion is part of that because Legion is a step in the door 
that tells carriers, listen, if you don't believe me, and there's no reason for you to believe me if you've never heard about me, let me prove this to you through customer acquisition, right? So initially we built, or, or we have, or initially when we approach, we can say, okay, listen, we have a customer acquisition platform. If you don't believe all of our technology, just try this. Low code, low cost, low risk. It doesn't require any heavy lifting on you guys. Try this. If I cannot prove we're better than anything else, don't use us anymore. And that's kind of our claim to fame. And that's what, you know, and it resonates exactly with what I said before. You have to bring value to your partners. If you don't bring value to your partners, mm -hmm. you have no excuse to exist as a company. And everything we focus on, you know, if they want to start customer acquisition, if they want to use our whole marketing operating system, uh, it's about how can you provide as much value as you can and provable value, not a promise of value, not trust me and in three years I'm going to impact your business. How can you impact my business next month? Right. How can you impact my business by the end of the quarter, right? Mm -hmm. So we, we try to deliver on our promise real quick to prove value, and that's really what allows us to kind of grow in an expedited rate within this, you know, very large industry. Love it. Okay, we are reaching the end. So let me ask you the same question that I'm asking everyone. Can you give us a recommendation? It can be a, a book, a TV show, movie, a life hack or something, you know, a quote oh, or a motto. Oh my God. So listen, almost everything. Okay. So everything I learned about business is from my dad. But after my dad, I've learned everything I know about from TV. So, and, and in life in general, like when I was in law school, I used to see the show, The Good Wife. I don't know if anybody watching us now yeah. knows it. It's an amazing show. Everything that happened in the show, I then studied in class and I literally put things in tests that I saw on the show and I got a high score. So it works. For business, it's the same. You know, suits, which is also legal and also business oriented. Uh, billions. All you, every, you know, billions on HBO. It's such yep. a good show. Mm -hmm. even, even Succession. You know the show about you know kind of that's so 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 all these all all these amazing shows about business and relationships because business is relationships business is not about making money business is about relationships so when you learn from relationships you become better I think so I've learned from so much from all these wonderful shows I see and I can think about a ton more but if you have to start you know go see billions go see succession go see suits go see the good wife go see all these dramas about about business and relationships and i think it's so good uh it was younger when i have time now i'm on TikTok all day you know at night when i see them on youtube but when i have a free weekend i go through some of these shows and i watch it and i think they're super super accurate as dramatized as they are about life you can always find some correlation to a circumstance that you're in to a problem that you're in to a decision you need to make watch a lot of tv watch these shows that's the best kind of, I'll tell this to my son too. My son's watching, he's a year and four months now. So when you watch the son, if you ever kind of go through your dad's kind of historical podcasts, it's okay, watch a lot of TV. I don't care what mom says. Watch a lot of TV <laughs> and do it in English too, because it also helps to perfect your English, which is also super important. That's it, Fantastic. that's all I got. Ifti, thank you very, very, very much for joining me today, staying up late and we can talk about, uh, offline about, uh, jet lag and hours and when to wake oh up and what's what's your so i don't know your secret for good coffee and meditation but let's we'll do, do it let's 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 do a, a a second episode 
let's let's let this resonate with people let's let this resonate with people a little bit and then let's meet up sometime next year and do a second episode because we still got a lot to talk about effie thank you again i'll see you in vegas and i will will. fantastic thank you very much everybody listening or seeing us today thank you for joining bye everybody